As a busy wife, mom, business owner, and recovering type A perfectionist and people pleaser, my life gets crazy. Then factor in trying to stay five steps ahead of a pretty mean case of systemic lupus and all that that comes with. Yep, it gets real. But I thank God I've got my little group of sister friends. They help me keep my crown on straight. My girls are my superpowers. But 15 years as a life coach made me realize that not every sister has that. So I created this podcast to help you keep your crowns on straight. We will cover everything that we deal with today, even the so-called taboo stuff. Nothing's off limits. So tune in each week for some inspiration and motivation as I problem solve and strategize, but more importantly, give you a solid dose of real talk about real life. I'm Angela, and this is Sister Speak. Hey, sis, hey, and welcome back. I do hope all is well with you all, considering what's going on lately. Things are still cool on this end, uh, having a graduating senior, so we're a little on edge with graduation and, and what the plans are and if it's happening when and how and all of that stuff. You know, I'm a type A December Capricorn, so I like to have a plan and I need to know what's going on. And so, you know, we're a little on edge, you know, um, the, the ladybug, our, our daughter, she got her cap and gown the other day and was really excited for like two minutes uh, before she realized, oh gosh, graduation is not what uh, she had envisioned it to be all these years. So we're a little bummed for her, but you know, it, it's life and this, uh, this too shall pass and it will make her stronger. So anyway, uh, I'm starting to get a little stir crazy because for me, shelter in place began March 5th, like the 3rd or the 5th, somewhere around in there, well before our state's um, mandatory shelter in place, which was the uh, 17th of March. I'm here in in, uh, San Francisco Bay Area. Um, So for me, it started much earlier. And why did it start so early, you ask? Well, because uh, I am a significant high risk. I'm in the high risk category for COVID. And uh, why do you ask? Am I in the severely uh, significant high risk category? Is because I have lupus. Yep. And May is Lupus Awareness Month. And I, um, we're, we're getting towards the end of May. And I, I really wanted to close the month out um, talking about lupus and um, giving a little bit of information, um, telling my story, and hopefully just bringing a little bit of awareness uh, to lupus. And uh, so, yeah, that's what this episode is is going to be all about. Um, I do have a few other supposedly seemingly scarier diseases, but. This is about lupus, and lupus is what actually opened the door to all those other diseases. So what is lupus exactly? Or SLE, as it's sometimes called, and the SLE stands for Systemic Lupus Erythematosus, or SLE. And it's a chronic long-term autoimmune disease that causes inflammation, basically. It's, It's an inflammatory autoimmune disease. Um, and it, it causes lots of pain. Uh, it can attack any part of your body. Uh, your autoimmune system 
uh, is it well lupus okay lupus is an autoimmune disease where your body's autoimmune system or, or immune system goes a little haywire well it could go a little haywire or majorly haywire for some it's you know very mild and for others it's pretty pretty severe and basically the immune system which is your body's defense mechanism that normally protects the body against bacteria and viruses. Um, it's, it's when it senses these foreign invaders and sends out an army of fighter cells to attack them. And with SLE, the immune system attacks healthy tissue, the skin, the lungs, your heart, your kidneys, your muscles, um, any type of system uh, in your body instead of attacking the virus or the bacteria or the foreign invaders. Now, there are four different types of lupus, and I'm going to talk about them in no particular order. So first, we're going to talk about cutaneous or discoid lupus, and that involves the skin where there's sores or lesions with inflammation and scarring, and it's mainly around the face, the ears, uh, your scalp. Um, it, it does attack other body areas. Um, I like, like the legs. I know. I know people who have severe discoid on their arms. And it it's, looks honestly like really bad eczema or really bad um, scaly dermatitis. You get these really, you get these pus-filled scaly patches, um, which they call eruptions. And uh, I grew up with eczema and um, the ladybug has eczema too and so it, it there are times when I struggle to know if it's my eczema acting up or if it's my lupus rash and uh, one of the, the characteristic things about lupus is the butterfly rash which typically covers your cheeks and the bridge of your nose so if you can imagine a butterfly and uh, and its wings spread out just picture the wings like over your over the cheeks with the body of the butterfly being the your nose like the bridge of your nose um, down to the tip of it um, my butterfly rash is a little lower it's kind of like around my mouth it's almost like covering my mouth so if if any of you remember silence of the lambs and the the the, the movie poster for it there was a butterfly over uh, the actress's mouth I think it was Jodie Foster. My rash is, is like that. It's like around my mouth. So anyway, so that's cutaneous or discoid. And many people with discoid um, lose their hair. Um, you know, they have issues with 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 balding and and uh, whatnot. But discoid, you also have characteristic achy joints that that arthritic pain. It's like 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 arthritis, um, but your, your joints are typically achy, swollen, you deal with fatigue um, in a major way, so that those two things are characteristic of lupus, no matter what form you have. And uh, the second is neonatal lupus, and neonatal means, you know, baby, newborn, and it is present at birth, so um, they use the word congenital when things are present at birth. Uh, it affects infants, of course. Uh, uh, they often develop, you know, that red rash that I was talking about. They get uh, discoid a bit. They get the the rashes, the the the, um, the pus-filled um, eruptions, as they call them. And the most 
significant thing though about neonatal lupus is a complication uh, with their heart and it's called heart block and um, that's like the biggest thing for, for neonates who are born with lupus. Most neonates will grow out of it. There's only, there's a small percentage that you know uh, where the where they don't grow out of it and it and it, it develops into full blown lupus. The third one is drug induced lupus, and I think that speaks for itself. Um, it's brought on by certain uh, medications that you take long term. Typically, when prescribed, the doctors will give you the heads up that um, you know that that particular medication um, has the propensity to to uh, to, to cause uh, temporary lupus and it's temporary. Um, it, it's, it's very temporary. So as soon as you stop taking the drugs that are causing it, it leaves your body. And, uh, while lupus, you know, may damage your kidneys or your lungs, drug induced lupus rarely affects any major organs. Uh, like I said, it's temporary. So it, it'll, it'll clear up as soon as you, you stop taking medication and people who suffer from drug induced lupus are typically much older, uh, so yeah, the last one is SLE, uh, or, you know, typical or standard lupus. It is the most common. It's what I have. It is a generalized, like overall disease, um, this, this type. And it, it's kind of, SLE is, is more of like a catch term or a catchphrase or catch all. And, uh, like I said, it almost always involves arthritis-like joint pain. You have episodes of fatigue, your rashes, mild anemia, and problems with blood and platelet regulation. Um, most people have that, like I said, that characteristic butterfly rash on their face. Uh, people with SLE are also super sensitive to sunlight. Um, and yeah, I, like I said, I have SLE. I have a, a pretty severe form of it. Um, but depending on the person, it could be mild or severe. Mild SLE uh, sufferers never, typically never develop the life-threatening form of lupus, which is what I have. Uh, the more severe form can involve any of the or any or all of your organs. It can cause strokes, seizures, swelling of the lining of your heart, fluid around the heart. It affects your lungs, your kidneys, um, your brain. It causes kidney failure. It affects uh, platelet and bone marrow production. It can affect your whole central nervous system. I mean, lupus can attack any and everything in your body. Um, I, again, have the more severe form, so I struggle with almost all of this except for the kidney piece. My kidneys are pretty much okay, um, but I, I live with, with all of this funkiness. Um, here's some quick facts about lupus, okay? Some quick stats. Lupus strikes mostly women in childbearing age. However, men, kids, and teens also get it. Now, I think I got it as a teenager. That's another story. 90% of people with SLE are women. Most with SLE develop it between 15 and 44 years old. And let's see, people with lupus uh, also experience significant pain, extreme fatigue. Uh, the fatigue is no joke. Hair loss, cognitive issues, which um, are connected to your central nervous system and, and your, your neurological functions. 
physical impairments that affect every facet of your life. Many have that disfiguring rash. Some suffer strokes, cardiovascular, and have cardiovascular and pulmonary issues. Uh, many have, an, well, people with lupus have an incredibly high miscarriage rate, uh, among other things. Uh, but then again, for many people, the symptoms may be really, really mild or not even present or visible. It really just depends. There's no, um, you know, there's no format for lupus, if, if that even makes sense. I hope you guys get what I'm saying. <laughs> the best estimate um, that the CDC has, based on available data, is that there are about 16,000 new cases diagnosed each year. They don't have an accurate count for the breakdown um, by, by ethnic groups, but they say that it hits black women disproportionately harder than any other group. And that makes sense to me because stress is a major trigger for lupus. And I mean, both, both negative and positive stress, which I'll talk very briefly about, but, but stress in general is a major trigger. And that makes sense that black women are, you know, that it hits black women harder. You know, black women across all socioeconomic groups suffer from higher levels of stress more than any other group. In addition to the stress, black women are often misdiagnosed. If they even are diagnosed, they typically are under or untreated due to racial disparities and bias in healthcare. Now, I've experienced this firsthand. It is real. So it's not a stretch to assume that the numbers are probably much, much higher for black women. So with that said, my lupus story is... Um, I wouldn't say it's characteristic, uh, but, you know, it's mine. Again, lupus is, is a very individual disease. I was diagnosed about 15 years ago, a few years after I had our now 17-year-old daughter, the woman child, or ladybug. You know, I, I vacillate between the two, depending on what kind of mood I'm in and how she, how she making me feel. You hear me, moms? Unlike most, though, it didn't take years and years of no one listening and being told I was crazy and, and, and suffering in silence. I, how I was diagnosed is because I was in the middle of a flare. I was so sick that I literally was near death. So it was kind of easy for them to, 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 to look for it. You know, um, it was kind of easy. They didn't initially know right away what was going on, but they knew like, when I was in the hospital in college, they knew that something was wrong. So it, it, it took, you know, maybe, maybe just a couple of months, I guess, to figure it out. Uh, let's see. I had no health issues growing up. None. I was always very healthy and, and strong. I was a competitive athlete. So, I, I mean, I rarely had colds even. I could walk into a room full of people sneezing and hacking and, and, and snotty babies and, and be just fine. So this was, was really odd. Um, yeah. I mean, my only issues growing up was that I was always achy and sore, um, but we had reasonable explanations because of sports. And I had a few, I had two like really major growth spurts. And, you know, I, so it, it just made sense. I, I mean, it did. I, I was a gymnast, um, an elite class gymnast, and I ran track. I, yeah, so it just made sense. Um, but you know, there was also a lot of stress and dysfunction in my family growing up. And, you know, we'll get into that later in the podcast. But between 
the dysfunction and then being an elite competitive athlete, I learned to deal with the pain and the discomfort. I, you know, learned how to suck it up and just grit and gut through it. No complaining, no crying. You just sucked it up. Crap could be hitting the fan or crumbling all around me. All I know is I better suck it up and put a smile on my face and keep it moving. You know, that's how I grew up. Talk about stress. That was very stressful as a child. Um, as, as You know, teenager, young adult, you know, on and on. Uh, I had my first major detectable flare when I was in college. I was oh, in Atlanta. I think I was, I think I was still at Spelman um, when 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 my first major flare hit. I was working on two degrees, working two jobs. I mean, I, I was really stressed, and it put me in the hospital. The doctors couldn't tell me what was going on, but they knew something was wrong. And um, I recovered. Um, you know, I recovered. I was okay. But in hindsight, I now know that I've been having minor symptoms and small, like little tiny flares over the years whenever I would get stressed. Uh, and in my mind, I was handling stress very well. You know, mentally, emotionally, I do handle stress very well. I'm your clutch girl. Like, like, like I'm the chick you want in that situation. However, my body didn't handle stress well. It, it's just amazing how God created God created us, um, and I'll get into that later. But um, but anyway, so you know, I recovered um, and went on about my business. Um, now my career was on fire. I had gotten into HR and human resources back when it was called personnel. <laughs> back when there were no degrees. I mean. It, honestly, it wasn't even a field back then, like like an area of of study or a professional, you know, area. I mean, it's amazing now to see human resources and, and, and how it's developed. But anyway, I digress. So I had several major um, amazing positions in corporate environments like banks, transportation and consulting. And then I got into tech in the Silicon Valley, like just as the boom was starting. Uh, but these jobs were were pressure filled and, and stressful. I mean, they required a lot. I, I traveled a lot. I was gone on average three weeks out of the month, managing incredibly difficult situations and difficult people. Um, I was usually the only black person or the first black person at at that at those levels, and you know. And this went on for many many years, and and it, that was stressful. And during this time, I got pregnant with for the second time. Uh, with Ladybug, and I had terrible complications. I spent most of the pregnancy in the hospital with seizures and clotting issues and on and on. And ultimately, you know, my doctors couldn't take it anymore, so they delivered her at 32 weeks, and, and she was just fine. And uh, however, though, I, I did lose two pregnancies. I lost one before her, and I lost one after her. The first one I lost at four months, and the second one they actually terminated at five months. Again, women with lupus suffer extremely high miscarriage rates. I mean, it's shockingly high. I don't remember the numbers, but it's pretty high. So after we delivered Ladybug, I recovered, but I, I wasn't quite myself. You know, I, I just, I, I, I didn't feel right. And, and I ignored my doctor's recommendations to come back and do follow-up testing. Um, but I, I ignored them. I ignored how my body felt, and I ignored what my body and my gut instinct was telling me. Now, I've always been about logic and reason. So to me, 
hey, I just had a baby. So of course I was tired. I had broken my tailbone during delivery. That's another story. So of course I was uncomfortable and, and in pain. I mean, that made sense to me. After three years of just not feeling right and you know feeling off and ignoring that nagging feeling, which was my intuition, that something was wrong, I collapsed. And Juan, my husband, rushed me to the hospital where I was there for, I think, about three months. I had been fighting what I thought to be was a cold, but in reality, I, well, my, again, my gut, I knew it wasn't a cold, but in reality, it turns out my lungs were shutting down and I wasn't getting enough oxygen. And that was started, that had started a domino effect to the point where my body was starting to shut down. So, um, you know, yeah, I went to the doctor several times because I wasn't feeling good, but they kept sending me home. No tests were run. No chest x-rays were done. Uh, I was in and out of, gosh, I was in and out of, of like, you know, the, um, what are those? Like, like the, like, uh, the clinics, you know, I would go and see my doctor or I would go to a local, you know, urgent care clinic and they just kept sending me home. And finally I got really pissed off and, and, and the doctor finally listened to my lungs and was like, Oh, you've got bronchitis, right? No, no. Uh, not bronchitis. <laughs> I took my medication, um, but just, it didn't help. And I, and again, like I said, I wound up collapsing and, and, uh, that was the beginning of my formal relationship with lupus over the years. It's moved to other parts of my body, my heart, my central nervous system, my blood, my connective tissue, and my brain. Uh, I've had countless rounds of chemo. I've been hospitalized too many times really to count. I think my record is almost five months. And uh, I've had tons of procedures and treatments like IVIG, plasmapheresis. I've had bone marrow transplant. When it moved to my brain, though, I stroked out, which triggered my seizure disorder. And I, I lost my memory. I couldn't walk. I couldn't talk. I didn't know my husband or my daughter. It was pretty deep. And it still kind of is. I still uh, have memory issues. I, I do have short-term memory loss, so I, I you know, struggle with that. I keep telling my neurologist that it's because I'm older. I'm getting older. I got a teenager and a husband. I own a business with my almost 80-year-old dad and just life, <laughs> you know, you got a pill for that, I will pop it, right? <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, I, I'm partially paralyzed. I need a cane or a walker or a wheelchair. On any given day, I take 28 to 34 pills and three shots, and that's on a good day. Pain is like background noise for me. It's a constant companion. And before COVID, I had at least one medical-related something each week, like labs or scans or occupational or physical therapy, doctor's appointments, etc. blah, 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 blah. Just the thought of my poor husband, you know, me not knowing him. Um, you know, at that time, we'd been together for about 16 years. Uh, we'd been married for almost 10. And yeah, you know, that, that was hard. It's hard. Um, and then for, for those of us with these invisible diseases, uh, there's a saying, um, but you don't look sick. And I get a lot of that, but you don't look sick. You know, even from medical professionals who, you know, 
are seeing me for the first time. You know, they'll look at my case file and then they'll look at me and and say something crazy, you know, but but it's always gosh, you don't you don't look as sick as you are. And yeah, I mean, I was I was given 18 to 24 months to live a couple of times. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sick, but I'm, I'm still doing my thing. And, and it's hard when you don't look like your story, right? And I'm thankful for that. I mean, God is amazing. He, oh, he has delivered me from so much, but yet has shown me, revealed to me so much through this journey. And I am thankful. I am thankful to lupus. I am thankful for for lupus, for the lessons uh, that it's taught me, um, you know, the growth, the things that I've had to really, really take a hard look at internally. And, you know, I've, I've had to make some decisions about, about my life and what is important and what's not and what crap I will and will not put up with. I had to get clear about my clients, you know, I say this all the time. I had to get clear about my non-negotiables. What was I willing to accept and, and not accept? And I am just so thankful for this lupus journey. It is hard. I mean, I can't even begin to describe it. And and I probably make it look too easy, you know, <laughs> that you know, I, I joke on social media that I make this issue look good and I do, but that comes with a price as well. You know, people sometimes forget that I struggle with memory issues and that I struggle with word find, um, using the right words. Um, and I used to be a wordsmith, um, but now not so much, <laughs> but you know, Hey, that's life. And I've learned how to just roll with it. Now, don't get me wrong. I am a full-on December Capricorn and all that that means, honey. So, you know, I, I need to, you know, be in charge and, and I need to understand and I need to have a plan and a backup plan and then a alternate plan to the backup plan and then the plan B to the backup plan for the alternate. Yeah, but lupus has taught me to let go of a lot of that. And I use that in my work. Um, and I'm thankful for it. So with that said, my sisters, I'm going to sign off. Check me out, CoachAngela.com. You can find me on social media, Coach Angela. I'm on the IG, the gram. I'm on Facebook and I'm on Twitter. But you can get to all of that from my website. Again, CoachAngela.com. Follow me, follow me, follow me. So with that said, I thank you so much for tuning in. I will see you guys next time. Until then, be well.